You're listening to a podcast of This Positive Life, thebody.com's growing collection of first-person stories from people living with HIV. This is Warren Tong reporting for thebody.com. If my guest today had a nickel for every time she said the words, I'm HIV positive to a group of strangers, then she'd surely be a millionaire, or pretty close to it. You see, when it comes to HIV activism, Marvlin Brown's no slouch. In fact, in the past seven years since her diagnosis, she's done more for the community than most of us do in a lifetime. As she puts it, she was destined to speak out about HIV and AIDS. And it shows. In 2004, she won NAPWA's Positive Youth Leadership Award for sharing her story and educating students about the disease. In 2007, she won an Emmy for her public service announcement in MTV's Think HIV campaign. And more recently, in 2009, she won the Do Something Award, which resulted in her face and story being featured on the backs of millions of Doritos bags nationwide. She's spoken at colleges, universities, and other venues all over the world. She's even written a book, her autobiography entitled The Naked Truth, Young, Beautiful, and HIV Positive. She's also done countless TV shows, appearing on MTV, BET, America's Next Top Model, and even Oprah. And let's not forget all the magazines, radio shows, and online interviews as well. Yes, she sure has done quite a bit. But before we get into all of that marvelous work, we have to know where it all began. Marvlin Brown, welcome to This Positive Life. Thank you for having me. Did I get all of that right? (laughs) Yeah, that's only the short bio. (laughs) (laughs) I see. Well, let's get right into it. Uh, Can you start by uh, describing how you found out you were HIV positive? Certainly. I found out I was HIV positive um, July 17, 2003. At the time, I had been sick in the hospital for about two and a half weeks, and the doctors did a series of tests. I was given a CT scan, MRI, spinal tap, and every test they gave me, it just kept coming back, negative, negative, negative. They actually had told me I had 24 hours to live. The priest was called in to give me my last words, and then it was discovered that I had pneumonia. I think what people should realize is I had pneumonia, and it it had absolutely nothing to do with HIV. I just so happened to be sick with pneumonia, but tested for HIV at a time. You know, I'm really grateful for because I never cared about HIV. I did not care about it until they told me right then I was positive. How old were you? I was 19 years old. Wow, so just really young and didn't know about HIV. I actually pulled a quote from your book, which very much highlights this, I think. You wrote, how did I not know that this virus was sexually transmitted? I felt I had been robbed by my community, my school, and my church. The mantras I heard over and over again growing up, don't do drugs, don't get pregnant, don't smoke, suddenly seemed so worthless. Never had someone mentioned the possibility of me, Marvlin Brown, contracting HIV from unprotected sex. I had seen it as something only Africans or gay men got. Uh, Could you expand on that a little? I had only heard about HIV on... Maybe, you know, like news, when I seen this helpless kid in Africa, I knew that white gay men were getting it. I remember Philadelphia. The movie. Yeah. I mean, but at the time, I was very irresponsible, too. I was selfish. I felt invincible. So HIV was everyone's issue but mine. I really didn't care who got it. As long as it wasn't me and it wasn't affecting people like me, I, I just didn't care. Did it register at all with you? No, not at all. No, I had other stuff. I had prom, I had mom issues, you know, I was into guys, you know, I had other issues. HIV wasn't one of them, you know, you're not a teenager and the first thing on your mind you're concerned about is health. In the hospital bed, when they told you that you're, you're positive, what was your reaction? 
I really didn't have one because I didn't really too much know what to think because I truly did not know what it was. I could tell that it was something more serious than I had ever took it for, but that was it. Did you realize that you were at risk at all? No, no, not at all. The funny thing about it was I had no idea how I contracted this virus. At the time I was working at a daycare, you know, kids constantly come in and they're sick and they're ill and all these things. So the thing I'm thinking on my mind is I got it from one of the kids. I really did not know how that virus was passed. The last thing I thought that it would come through sex. I had always heard STDs and HIV. And I'm like, why is HIV so close to STDs, but it's not under the umbrella? And I said, oh, because that's that's because gay men get it and prostitutes get it. When I looked at STDs, I thought of gonorrhea, chlamydia. You know, like, those are STDs, but HIV stood on its own. Eventually, you did find out who you got it from, right? Yes, yes, yes. Once I had you know, kind of been told, you got this virus through sex. And then it started going through your mind, these are the people who put me at risk. Were you able to talk to whoever infected you about it? Once I had been told, you know, you got it through sex, and the amount of time that HIV had been living in my body, I knew who I got it from, and it was the guy that I was dealing with. But I did not want to tell him. Why is that? Because I still didn't think I got it from him. He looked too good. He smelled too good. You know, this is my Prince Charming. This is my everything. So I just did not want to believe that he could, him and HIV could even be in the same sentence. So even when I called him, it was still this thing that in the back of my head that it's no way. You know, it's no way. But uh, I called him, and I told him, and um, he wasn't surprised. He wasn't? No, he wasn't. I I told him, you know, the doctors just told me I'm HIV positive, and he said, I'm sorry. Just like that, he's sorry? Yeah, yeah. And what happened then? Then we kind of hung up because at this time I had already told people before I told him. I told five people, I told two friends, my sister, my aunt, and my mom. And basically on the same day, I had found out the rest of my Nashville community found out as well, or at least that's what I felt like, because those five people told five people, and those five people told five people, and so the word, you know, just kept spreading. And he had kind of caught wind of that too, or he understood that. And even though he probably knew when he said he was positive and he gave it to me, like all this other stuff. He didn't want to have anything to do with me because so many people had known my situation. He was that much in denial. He didn't want nothing to do with me. Now, you're implying that he already knew he was positive. Is that right? Yeah, I believe that he knew. So he was knowingly going out and having unprotected sex, even though he knew? I think with him, looking back on it, this is just, you know, my opinion, he found out his uh, status and didn't believe it, didn't want to believe it. Like, literally, he was that much in denial. I don't think that he's this evil person, like, I'm going to affect every single body. But it's like, I just didn't believe it when the doctors told me. You know, because he later explained to me that I kind of made this real to him. He wasn't, like, 
oh, I'm going to infect everybody. It was kind of like, it's no way I have this. The doctors got it wrong. I'm not going back. I'm not listening to this foolishness. I think that's a very common reaction. That yeah, yeah, have. yeah. Well, okay, so you said that the whole Nashville community pretty much knew after a while. Who was the first person you told? The very first person I told was my best friend. And what was her reaction? Or his reaction? Her reaction was one I had never heard. And this is the same best friend that we lost a mutual best friend together from suicide months earlier. And for me to tell her I'm HIV positive, I had not heard this sound in her voice. It was a sound of scared, oh, Lord, not again. You know, it it was a lot of different things in her voice, and um, she told me she was at work, and I needed to wait till she got off work, and she was going to come and see me. She thought you were going to die. Yeah, I, I think she did. But see, I was shocked because I thought she knew more about the virus than I did, because I didn't even think I was going to die. <laughs> I didn't know. I didn't know. I just didn't know anything. I just really didn't. So you just started telling people, and... I was really telling people in hopes of somebody saying, you know what, things are going to be okay. Because when that doctor walked out of the room, I was scared. I'm like, what have I got myself into? You know, I'm so used to getting into stuff and my mom gets me out of it or my basketball coach gets me out of it. You know, you're used to in life getting second chances. And I'm like, what have I done now? But then the doctor who finally enlightened you, so to speak, and was more compassionate and told you everything about HIV and all the answers that you wanted. What was her name again? It was an infectious disease specialist who did the testing, but the doctor who came in to give me the results, he was an emergency room doctor. His name was Dr. Gonzalez. And he didn't give you any information about it? He just said you're positive and that was it? Believe it or not, he, being an emergency room doctor, one who isn't used to giving people uh, HIV tests on a day-to-day basis, he really couldn't answer all my questions. He told me he needed to give me more information. But he didn't? Yeah, he wow. didn't. It's a shame. So he went to the library to give me more I see. information. I'm trying to get to the point of where you finally learned more about it from the infectious disease specialist. Okay. Was there a level of shock involved at all about everything you didn't know or everything that you were finding out? Yeah, that goes back to the question that you asked me. Like, I felt, why didn't I know this? How was I misled so much? Why didn't anyone step in and kind of, like, tell me this? I was very shocked. Exactly. You were very open about it at first, but did you close yourself off a little afterwards? Yeah, yeah, I did. That's why, you know, uh, I feel like, yes, this is my purpose of what I'm supposed to be doing, but I also feel like I'm this accidental activist because I only told five people, and that's all I wanted to know. But when my words start spreading and people start talking, I was not prepared for that, and I did not want that. I was never like, oh, my God, I'm going to be this out here activist who share my story and all that. I did not want that. But after those people found out that information, and I just kept hearing things like, Marvelin's dying, Marvelin's losing weight, and, you know, I was just in hiding. But every day I'm looking in the mirror thinking the same thing they're thinking in their head, but that wasn't reality. I was looking good. You know, I was growing into a woman. I realized that I wasn't the only one who was misinformed. 
because I felt that way. I'm thinking, did I skip class that day? Uh, what am I doing differently in the bedroom? I didn't do anything but have sex. I have sex and get HIV. My friends get sick and get pregnant or get an STD that goes away with a shot or a pill. And so I was like, I have to set the record straight. I, I was going in kind of very selfish the first time I ever put my story in the paper because I'm thinking, if I go in and I clear it up, I can go back to my old life. People will accept me now because I'm going to tell everything like it is. And I went in, and it was kind of one of those things, oh, you're going to talk about me? Can't nobody talk about me better than me. And so, you know, I put the story in the statewide newspaper, and the reaction I got was a bit overwhelming. I never looked at myself as a leader, as someone who could be inspirational. I never looked at myself at any of those things. And so the response that I got and from that newspaper article, that's when, you know, Napa was telling me they're giving me a youth leadership award and all this other stuff. I didn't know what I had done. <laughs> I really didn't. And so it, I never thought it would go outside of Tennessee. And really, even now, looking at I didn't think it would go outside of Nashville. I didn't realize that Tennessee and went across the entire state. That article almost didn't happen, too, right, because you wanted to pull it at the very last Yeah, I didn't, uh, because I realized that it was permanent. There was no turning back from it. That is what I realized. I was like, oh, my goodness gracious. I was scared. I didn't have any support at the time either. What was the best response that you got from sharing your story? I made HIV real to them. It's always wonderful to know, you know, not only who's hearing my story, but who's impacted about my story. And for someone to tell me that I made it real to them and, you know, it's now something that they're going to take seriously, I mean, that's why I do it. I don't do it to be on the back of Dorito bags. No, I don't. You're doing it to help and educate people, of course. And those who were like me, those who were uneducated, uh, misinformed, that's who I'm talking to. Do you ever get bad responses? Like, what's the worst reaction you've gotten I've never got any bad responses. Really? Not when I do a speaking engagement or anything like that. Now, I have gotten hate mail and, you know, all kind of stuff. But I couldn't even tell you what those things said because it didn't impact me in any way. If anything, it motivated me to really feel like my work is not done and there's more that I need to be doing. Right. When you're you're not Marvin Brown, the speaker and all that, you're just a normal person on the street. Do you ever get recognized or anything like that? Ah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I do. And how do you react, especially with all the stigma and everything and just wanting to be by yourself? Uh, how do you react when people recognize you? I don't know. I kind of just go with the flow, but most of the time I'm laughing because <laughs> I think it's so funny. I'm like, these people think I'm important. <laughs> <laughs> well, you are. Yeah, I am. I am. But I don't look at it like that. I really, really don't. I mean, you look at it like a job, like this is what you're doing. And it's just, it's it's weird. So anybody who will tell you they, they met me, they'll tell you I laugh. <laughs> but, you know, I listen to, to to what they have to say and I respond. Sometimes I tell people it's not the place because people, I guess they see the strength in me that, they don't necessarily see in themselves, and they automatically want to open up to me. I'm like, this is really not the place for you to be telling me what happened last night with your boyfriend and his mistress and, you know, all this stuff. And I'm just like, this may not be 
the best place. Has being this public HIV activist affected your personal relationships at all? Yeah. How has it affected, like, your family, for instance? Oh, it's had a great deal on my family. Uh, really, me being public, I mean, my nieces are in high school, and they've been in different incidents where their friends make fun and do and say all these things, all because I'm public, all because I'm sharing my story. Now they have to deal with it. They only see, oh, you know, my aunt's on top model or my aunt's here, my aunt's there. They don't see the emails that I get that I don't tell them about or the stigma that I face that they don't know about. And so when it happens to them, they're automatically in this defense mode, and they don't understand it. <laughs> they don't understand. I like my auntie. I love my aunt. Why don't you? Have you spoken to them about HIV? Do they know everything about it? Oh, yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah, like a book. <laughs> great. Yes, they do. Has this reaction spilled over to your personal sex life, for instance, or relationships? Is it harder to meet a guy? You know what? I don't think I would have a problem with a relationship or a guy if I just wouldn't have told nobody. You want to know the truth. I think most guys are really intimidated by the simple fact that so many people know my status. And that goes for positive and negative guys. It's really weird. I have the same problem with those who are positive or negative. Neither one of them are easier. And there's a lot of similarities. But on the flip side of things, it's helped me weed out a lot of guys. Like, I don't have to do dating. I don't have to go through that dating period that most people go through. All I do is tell them I'm HIV positive and next day, it's a good sign. If they leave, it's a bad sign. And I don't say it's a bad sign because, oh, they don't want to be with me because I'm positive. But if you can look past the simple fact that I'm not HIV, it's just a virus that lives in my body, it's preventable, then you had a completely another agenda. Right. Is it that they can't deal with you being public about it? So many people knowing, yeah, and being public. Mm -hmm. Because mm -hmm. of, of the stigma involved, I see. Can we talk a little bit about your health since your diagnosis? How are you doing? How are you feeling? My health is great. Uh, last time I checked, I had 1,010 T-cells. Um, oh, wow. I'm undetectable. Very nice. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's one of those things. Like, yeah, I go out and I help others, but... I am helping myself, too. You know, like I do a lot of stuff for myself, and I love myself, and I care about my health. So I do what the doctor tells me to do, whether I like it or not. How did you find your doctor? Actually, she was the infectious disease specialist. So uh, the same one, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Her name's Dr. Leia, but she was called in to do the series of tests on me. And um, she's the one who discovered I had pneumonia, who let us tell the doctors she's HIV positive. And when she came in to kind of give me more information, this is after I had already had the pamphlets and the booklets that the emergency room doctor had given me. She got to talking, and I was like, you're stuck with me. <laughs> she started laughing. I said, no, you're, you're, you're stuck with me. You know, because I was on my deathbed. They told me I had 24 hours to live. I, it was the end for me, and I looked at her like, I trust you. You saved my life. Matter of fact, you actually saved me a lot of money, too, because if they would have did another test on me, I'd have been in debt for the rest of my life. Like, thank you, but you're stuck with me. It's really surprising that they did all these other tests before a simple HIV test. They never thought I was positive, ever. I was a healthy young woman who had never been in the hospital a day in my life. I was an athlete. They say it's because I had insurance. You know, like all these things, which is no excuse, but... It's, it's no excuse, of course. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I just mean, 
from your own perspective, you're dying here. They should be more concerned about saving your life. I mean, if it were for, for insurance purposes, but that's beside the point. Just thankfully, you're okay now. Are you on meds? Yes, I am. What are you taking? I am on two PIs and a non-nuke. Which one specifically? I don't ever get into that. But it, and the only reason I don't, because I get a lot of emails from positive people like, what medication are you on? You look good. I want your medication. And, you know, just because it works for me doesn't mean it works for you. You know, I need you to take your virus more seriously and see what you need to be on. And medication is only part of the reason why I look good. I mean, I got to give my mom and my daddy some credit. <laughs> good genes. <laughs> uh, what else do you do to uh, keep healthy? Obviously, you exercise being Yeah, being and, an I, and I eat right. Mm -hmm. Is there a special diet specifically? No, no, I don't, I don't. I'm not really on a special diet, and it's really hard because I'm constantly traveling. But I make sure to eat a lot of greens. I eat organic as much as I possibly can, and I don't eat a lot of fried foods. Good advice. Good advice. We've spoken about, or we've alluded to all the work that you do. What specifically is it that you do, or how would you classify it yourself? I'm an author and a, <laughs> a public speaker. You have your own organization, is that right? Yes, I do. It is called Marvelous Connections. And I tell people all the time it's not a dating service because people think I can hook them up and I cannot. I just call it Marvelous Connecting because, like, the tagline is connecting ignorance to education, well, HIV education. And with it, I do consulting work with different media companies about these fun and innovative ways that they can put HIV into their programming so that it relates to young people. That also involves HIV testing, going out into the communities, doing HIV 101. And my personal story. Currently, I'm actually the ambassador for this really great campaign. It's called Greater Than AIDS. And what it is is letting people know that they are greater than the virus. And, you know, it's a really good campaign. It's getting a lot of attention. And they just released phase two of the campaign, which is deciding moments. You know, I just so happen to be a part to the point where it will be featured on billboards and, and on bus stations and magazines and my deciding moment for me, which is just a deciding moment that someone felt that they were greater than AIDS and my deciding moment was reaching others with my story. And so, like, if you visit the website, greaterthan.org, it's letting all people tell what their deciding moments were and how they feel they're greater than AIDS. What has doing all of this work taught you? Oh, it's definitely taught me to really accept myself for who I am and that realizing, because I look back at me as a, as a child, like I was no form, I, it was just no way I was going to be a leader. Like it's shocking to me because constantly as a child I had people telling me what I wasn't capable of or what I would never do. And this was even before HIV. And then when HIV came, it was just like, oh, you're really doomed now. So to be able to tell my story in it, impacts people it's great and I look back especially me as a child my mom had me involved in all kind of crazy stuff from dancing to acting to singing so I was put on the stage before I was even ready or really knew what it was and I feel like everything I did including play sports has led me to be this activist that I am and has helped me in that way so through it all I've really learned to 
love myself, accept myself, and also to really take responsibility. Because I think that's the one thing I was so scared about being the leader is taking responsibility. I didn't want it. Put that on someone else. Do you ever get tired of it? Do you think you'll stop? No, I don't. Well, that's good. I mean, it's great to have you out there and educating people and, and being an activist because there's so very limited people out there. Why do you think that you're only one of the few young black positive women out there speaking about HIV? People ask me that all the time, and I have no idea, but it only goes to really, really say that this is what I'm supposed to be doing, and I got God behind me. Because I come across so many young people who have stories, and I'm even mesmerized by their story, and I'm like, everyone's paying attention to mine. I can't explain it. Do you see things out there that need fixing, perhaps? I mean, there are a lot of issues in HIV today, but do you have any that you feel are, are more important or, or should get attention right now? Yes, yeah, since I'm more so on the prevention side, I really try to stay away from that policy and politics. Like, I really just try to stay away from it. But I definitely see issues that need to be addressed and be concerned. But I really leave that to my colleagues because HIV is so broad, and I just don't want to step outside of that prevention thing that I'm on. Well, from a prevention standpoint, what do you think needs fixing? Oh, HIV needs to be talked about more in the schools. Like, I'm sick and tired of going into these schools and kids having to have permission slips to hear me talk or, you know, the state doesn't approve my programming, so I can't even come in there and give basic HIV 101, you know, comprehensive sex education, you know, needs to be happening. There's a lot of things on the prevention standpoint. In your book, you spoke about what you call the duality of HIV, where on the one hand, you're inspired to make a difference, but on the other hand, you just want to, you don't want to be defined by your disease. Could you talk about that a little? Yeah, HIV is not an adjective. <laughs> it's, it doesn't define me. It's not who I am. It's just a virus that I have. I don't want to be defined by it because it's not an adjective. You know, I want to be defined as being marvelous. <laughs> That's an adjective that defines me. Could you talk about how you feel about HIV now as opposed to your feelings when you were first diagnosed? Although HIV is manageable, it's still very, very hard to live with. So I take it very serious. I take my virus seriously. That's the only way I can continue to kick its ass. I have to stay one step above it. And so I, I do. I take it very serious now. And in the beginning, I didn't look at it any different as cancer, diabetes, or anything like that. I know now that it's a lot more serious. That's good. Is that the advice you would give to anyone else who uh, just found out they were positive, perhaps? Yeah, absolutely. I would let them know it does not define you. And life goes on, and HIV will do what you let it do. Yes, you now have it. However, you can live with it. You can deal with it, and you can overcome it. That's great advice. What would you tell uh, people who aren't infected? Stay that way. Stay that way. You do not want this. And if I hear one more person say one more time, you know, it's one pill once a day. Yeah, I, I can't even take that one pill once a day. I take seven horse pills each and every day of my life. And even if it is just one pill once a day, I'm pretty sure it has side effects and everything else, and you still have to deal with the stigmas of being HIV positive. You don't want it. So if you're negative... Stay that way because you do not get a second chance for this. You do not get time off. 
no vacation. It's not a child that cannot go off to college 18 years down the line, or your little sister cannot babysit it. You know, you have to be responsible for it 24-7. I think that's a great way to close out this interview. <laughs> if you're negative, stay negative, and if you're positive, take it seriously. Absolutely. Okay. Well, Marvel, it's been a great pleasure talking to you. Thank you. Thanks for being here. Thank you for having me. The opinions expressed by hosts or interviewees in this podcast do not constitute professional advice, should not be considered substitutes for professional services, and do not necessarily represent the opinions of Body Health Resources Corporation or its sponsors. Please see the full disclaimer online at thebody.com. If you have comments or questions, please contact us. Thanks for listening to This Positive Life. For more podcasts and other first-person stories, please visit us online at thebody.com. If you'd like to share your story, please email us at podcast at thebody.com.